Good morning. Or good afternoon. Whatever time it is you're watching or catching up. Hope you're having a great Monday. Hope things are starting off well. I know mine is. My day's been fantastic up to now. Been a nice, nice, relaxed morning. Having coffee, had breakfast, just sitting around, not doing a whole lot. And uh, just enjoying some time with Jesus this morning. It's been a been a good morning, real good morning. So, all right, um, let's get into this. So, yesterday we had our our Warrior Worship Sunday. We've moved the the first Wednesday worship time to first Sundays. Now we're doing that in the afternoons, and so the teaching that we would have done yesterday, we are going to do today. So this is uh, week five in the foundation series. Previously, we've talked about uh, cornerstone. We talked about Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Uh, he is the, the starting place for, for everything. Uh, the one who, who placed the everlasting kingdom in your hands. And after that, we talked about camp life. We talked about what it was like in the wilderness and we focused a lot on uh, the rebellions that were recorded in the, the book of Numbers and, and how those rebellions kind of hold up a mirror uh, to, see, to see our own rebellion and, and where it is that, that we kind of go off the rails. Uh, ultimately coming to, to see that it is imperative for us to remember what God has done for us and who is showing up for uh, who he's shown up as for us and, and, and to stay focused on, on the mission he has given us and, and, and really be reliant on him, be reliant on God for everything, for absolutely everything. Uh, after that, we took a look at the tabernacle. Uh, God wanted to, to dwell with his people. And so he made a way uh, for that to be a reality through through the tabernacle, through the instructions that he gave down to Moses for this. And we also discussed uh, how that was just, just the beginning and that, that God, through Jesus, uh, made a way for, for us to become the dwelling place uh, for God's spirit. And uh, through belief in Jesus, we, we become the tabernacle, the dwelling place of the spirit of the Most High. And uh, last week, we talked about the, the priestly anointing. We talked about Christ's priesthood uh, and, and how that created a new class of royal priests, uh, whereas the whole nation of Israel was called the royal priesthood in Exodus 19.6. Now in Christ's new covenant, uh, the title royal priesthood is reapplied to the church, which means it's reapplied to you. And this means that all the sons of glory can serve as priests. And in Christ, uh, the church becomes a royal priesthood and a holy nation. All right. So, so that's a recap of the last uh, four weeks uh, that we have, have gone through. Uh, good morning, Angie, Robin, and uh, Virginia as well. Virginia's out there. Oh, that's nice. Good to know that you're on with us, Virginia. Thank you for being here with us. All right, this week we are talking about servant and son. Uh, what is is behind that title? I'm sure you can see where this is headed. 
uh, we're going to be focused on what Jesus did coming as both a servant and a son. And, and, and so uh, um, I lost my train of thought. Anyways, Jesus, he, he came as both uh, servant of the Lord and, and son of God. And now, uh, now you and I have the opportunity to serve as a son in the kingdom of God. And as we go through this, I'll, I'll be using that term son or um, in, in referring to, to all of us. If, if I can be the bride of Christ, ladies, today you can be sons. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, Jesus, he came to bring the fullness of everything that God had intended from the beginning. And, and we're going to get into that and we're going to see that in some of the scripture we'll go through. Uh, again, so no matter what the mission is that you are on, we are there to serve. And in that service, we're doing so as sons. This is the the, the beauty of, of what we have been brought into. And uh, when we look at Mark uh, 1045, it says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, Luke 2227 says, for who is greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. And that was Jesus uh, saying that. And then John 114 said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father full of grace and truth. He was the only son that came from the father, but through his servitude and, and sacrifice, we have all been brought in to sonship, which is absolutely an incredible thing to, to be able to say. So that's where I want to get started at. And this, uh, I, I had a lot of different things laid out to, to look at attributes of of a servant attributes of a son and different things and um holy spirit just kind of scrapped that the other day and uh didn't want to do that so what we are going to do is we're going to go through some scripture and we're going to start in oh hello Anne marie we're going to start in isaiah 49 and so if you're not driving sitting around grab your bible Turn to Isaiah 49, and uh, we're going to go through that. We're going to start by looking at at the servant. And like I said earlier, looking at um, looking at kind of the, the, the big picture, at knowing that Jesus came to fulfill everything that God had intended from the beginning, uh, we need to be able to look at that from a, a big holdout picture here. And, and understand uh, what, what was intended in the beginning. So we're to start in Isaiah 49 and go from there. It says, listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. This is uh, um, kind of a redundant statement here, because if you see in, in your translation, listen to me, O coastlands, you have to understand the, the world was not understood as we know it today uh there was there was a limit so the 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 cities and, and towns around the mediterranean were were far off 
from from the places where where these people were at, where where they were uh, writing and recording these things. And so it says, listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar off. So it's talking to the far off places and the people that are there far off. It says, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. So we understand this, this opens up with the servant speaking here. And, and so that's what, uh, that's who is calling these, these towns, cities, nations, and people from far off to listen. It's the servant saying, listen to me. It says, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. And, and that right there, we could start to see, okay, who, who is the servant that is talking here? And when we look at that reference to he made my mouth like a sharp sword, you can think about uh, Revelation 1.16, uh, which says, in his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And also in Revelation in, in 19.15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword. Uh, this sharp sword reference is also in Hebrews 4, but that is talking about uh, scripture and not uh, not Jesus here. So let's go on. Uh, we are in verse two. It says, he made me a polished arrow and in his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Okay. He is, this servant's talking and he is relating what, what God said. You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Well, if this is Jesus that it's talking about, why is Israel referenced here? Well, again, we have to understand what God intended from the beginning. From the beginning, when he called Abram out from uh, his family and said, hey, I am going to, to multiply you greatly. I'm going to bring you and, and uh, your descendants over and give them this land. He intended all along to, to bring forth a nation for himself and a nation that would be on display to to give um, to really be that servant to the other nations to bring them back to God. So all the nations were spread out at the Tower of Babel, and, and this is this was God's chosen people. This was his nation, his portion that was set aside for him was Israel, and they were supposed to be. A, a, a light unto the other nations to, to call them back into, into the family. And, and so that's what they're talking about here. And so this is when we start to, to look at what did God intend from the beginning here? He intended Israel to be that, that people that, that serves the other nations and brings them back into the family. Verse four, but I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity, yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him. See, it switches back into uh, uh, feeling like it's talking about a singular person rather than the entire nation of Israel. To bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing 
that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So it, he's, this is now God speaking and he's telling the servant, it's, it's, it's too light a thing. It's, it's too small for you to just do this. In addition, I am going to, to make you a light for all of the nations for, for everything. He wanted, God wanted salvation to reach every single person. It says to the end of the earth. And so that is, is what the servant is coming to do. It goes on and says, thus says the Lord, the redeemer of Israel and his Holy one to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. So this is, uh, again, if you think about how Jesus was treated and, and what was happening to him, he was aboard by the nation of Israel and, and was not accepted. But he was still the servant to these people. It says, kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. So he's chosen his servant, and this is what they were supposed to do. But Israel broke covenant. They they didn't follow with what God had intended for them. And so there was there was a turning away there. And so he needed to needed to do this himself. So he sent his son. And and this is what the son had had to do. He had to uh, come and fulfill this and and to bring about new covenant. Israel wasn't capable and and we aren't capable of maintaining that on our own with God and holding up our end. So he came himself to do that, to, to hold up covenant, to make covenant with himself on our behalf. And, and we get to be brought into the family because of that. We get to be those who, who the, uh, is, seeing Jesus as the light of the nations and and receiving the salvation that was sent out to the ends of the earth through him. We go on in in Isaiah 49, verse 8, says, Thus says the Lord, In a time of favor I have answered you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages saying to the prisoners come out to those who are in darkness appear they shall feed along the ways let me stop there for a second so this is what we were talking about he said i will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people so here's god he's making the covenant he's saying you my servant are going to be a covenant to the people and and this is this is god doing this which is which is very significant for us because he's not leaving things up to chance anymore. This is, this is a, a calling back of, of all of the nations. This is uh, um, what Israel should have been doing from the beginning and, and were incapable of doing. He's doing himself. And so this should, this should be exciting. It says they shall feed along the ways. On all bare heights shall be their pasture. 
They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of, of Syim. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. So he is he's commanding that the heavens, the earth, the mountains to break out into singing because of what he's doing, because of what he has done for his people and having compassion on those who are afflicted. What what Israel and and, and most people fail to to see and recognize as true affliction is is the power that sin and death used to hold over us that that power that christ broke on the cross for us and that was the true affliction on us on our our eternity not the the oppression of earthly rulers or or the the uh nowadays the oppression of politicians that we see that that what we experience here isn't real oppression. And so we, we have to understand that uh, it, it's it's easy for us to miss what uh, is really happening and, and what is really significant when we get focused on on small things and want to to play victim and not play or, or excuse me, not step into the fullness of who we actually are as sons. Sonship's a powerful thing when you really start to examine it closely and, and start to understand the nuances of what it means to be a son and what it means to step in. When you step in as a servant, but you're doing so as a son, there is an authority and a power carried there that we can miss if we are, are coming in and trying to play the victim and, and just looking at earthly oppression. We need to make sure we remember this is it's, it's going back a couple of weeks, but this is important because it's it, it's it is something that keeps us uh, uh, or gives us an ability to focus on the mission. When we remember what God's done for us, who he showed up for us as and who he's saying he's going to show up for uh, show up uh, uh, as for us in now in this current mission. We can't forget those things and we, we need to remember them. Let's go on verse 14 uh, in Isaiah 49. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. One verse here is, is the response from Israel. And in all the things that have, have taken place for them, they, they fail to remember what God had done for them. And, and they just saw themselves as forsaken. They just saw themselves as forgotten, but they weren't. In fact, it's, it's them that was forsaking God. It was them that were forgetting God, not the other way around. And we're going to see that right here. So one verse in response uh, from, from Israel, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. And God replies, can a woman forget her nursing child 
that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is this is an interesting idea here of God engraving them on the palm of his hands, which means every time he lifts his hands, he sees them. He remembers them every time. He can't do anything. There is no movement of his hands where he doesn't think of them and see them because they are engraved on his palms. Verse 17 says, your builders make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste go out from you. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather. They come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall put them all on as an ornament. You shall bind them on as a bride does. Surely your waste and your desolate places and your devastated land. Surely now you will be too narrow for your inhabitants. And those who swallowed you up will be far away. The children of your bereavement will yet say in your ears, the place is too narrow for me. Make room for me to dwell in. Then you will say in your heart, who has borne me these? I was bereaved and barren, exiled and put away. But who has brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. From where have these come? Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal to the peoples. And they shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. God's saying he's going to to lift up his hand to the nations and and there is going to be a restoration and a service back here. Excuse me. Uh, Verse 23, uh, Isaiah 49 says, uh, Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens and your nursing mothers. With their faces to the ground, they shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. Again, here is is one more verse and and a question from, from Israel. Can the prey be taken from the mighty or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? And some translations say uh, um, uh, the captives uh, of a righteous man be rescued. But um, can the, the prey be taken from the mighty or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? This is so. So all of this, God telling them that there's going to be a time where where it comes back and the nations are serving me. And they're they're still resistant here. They're still just focused on the immediate problem rather than thinking about the the bigger picture and pulling back and being able to say, there is something uh, much larger here that we need to be seen. That is, it is oppressive to us. The the people of, of the Old Testament, the ancient Israelites, had a a much different worldview when it came to um, the unseen realm, and, and this is something that they would know about and, and and should have been able to see. Like, excuse me, that should have been able to see that there was something bigger going on there that was that was oppressing them over just this uh, immediate problem of of thinking about being forgotten or forsaken or 
or being in the captive of a, a tyrant. They were missing it. Isaiah 49, verse 25 uh, says, For thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken, and the prey of the tyrant be rescued. For I will contend with those who contend with you, and I will save your children. I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh, and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with wine. Then all shall know that I am the Lord your Savior, Savior and your Redeemer, of the mighty one of Jacob. Uh, this is is a, a self-destructive thing that is being talked about here with oppressors eating their own flesh, drunk with their own blood. This is this is something he's going to to turn on these tyrants, and they are going to to self-destruct. It, it's it is interesting that. As God is laying out uh, redemption and or, or excuse me restoration for Israel, they're still so focused on on saying that God has forgotten them and He has forsaken them, and not looking at the the ownership of their 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 circumstance, like they're forgetting. They're uh, uh, forsaking and them bowing down to to tyrants, to to idols. This is what got them in the position they're in. And God's talking about restoring them. But they're so focused on this. They, they can't rejoice and 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 see that he's telling them there's a servant that's coming. That's going to do all of these things and bring restoration. But they just, they, they don't want to see it. They don't want to, they don't want to. They were looking for a militancy to come in and, and take over. And that is, is not the case when Jesus first came. There was a bigger picture that had to be taken care of first. All right, let's continue on into Isaiah 50. It says, thus says the Lord, where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? So God's asking the question, did, did, I, did I do this or was this because of what you did? It says, behold, for your iniquities you were sold and for your transgressions your mother sent you away. Was it, was it anything God did? He's telling them. This wasn't. I didn't break covenant here. This was this was you. You did. Verse two. Why when I came, was there no man? Why when I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, by my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the river a desert. Their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. This is just a, a fascinating picture here of, of what's happening. And the people are still missing it. Verse four goes on, says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word. Okay, this is 
This is switching back to the servant talking here. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning, he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. And you can read this and you can, you can think about the stories of, of when Jesus was arrested and, and all of the horrible things that they did to him. We're going to start seeing that here. We're going to start seeing the servant in, in his, his ultimate act of, of servitude to us. Verse 7 says, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare, my, declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Even in the face of, of saying that, he gave his back to those who strike, his cheeks to pull out the beard. He didn't hide from, from disgrace and from people spitting on him. But he knows that, that that is not the case. There is no actual disgrace on him. There is no actual shame that is, is on him that can be uh, uh, declared of him, declare him guilty. Verse 10, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. So there's two responses here. One you can uh, uh, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on God. Going back to a couple of weeks, relying on God for everything, right? This is one of the things we talked about of the Israelites in the wilderness. They, they should have been relying on God for everything, but they complained and grumbled and rebelled. And, and so that that is one of the things that is in response here is, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? So there, there's two responses in, in obedience to the voice of the servant. One is to trust God and rely on God for everything. Or the second is to rely on, on self, on our own wisdom, on our own understanding, our own strength, and, and kindle a fire for ourselves and, and equip ourselves with, with a burning torch. We can, we can walk by the light of our, our own fire there. But ultimately, it's just going to be torment for us because there, there isn't obedience to the servant. So you can you can rely on God or you can rely on self. One, one leads to eternity. One leads to torment. I want to jump over now to Isaiah 52. 
and we are going to start in verse 13. Isaiah 52, 13 uh, says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. He's sprinkling the many nations with his blood. Chapter 53, verse 1 uh, says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of the dry, out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. This is a, an interesting perspective of the servant seen through our eyes. We can, we can look at our, our unrighteousness that put him there and, and see that we were the ones that, that despised and rejected the servant caused him to be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Ones who, who hid their faces from him. This is, this is very, very difficult to read because I know we can all look back on, on things in our lives and, and, and see how difficult this was to, to go through. The, the servant of the Lord sent and set his face like Flint to, to carry out the mission, regardless of the response of, of the people that he came to serve. It, it, it did not matter to him what their response was. He was going to complete his mission. Verse four, Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, spit, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace that's it that's an absolutely incredible line all of these things laid on him in order to bring us peace in order to bring us rest in order to bring us in back into the family of god 
and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We turned our own way. We try to do it our, our, ourselves. And so rather than, than leaving us to, to torment, he's made a way for us to, to come back. And it's simply belief. You believe that Jesus is, is who that he, he says he is and, and that what he did made a way. It's that simple. He did it for you. Are you going to believe that it's true and accept it? Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off and out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 9. And they made his, his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. He didn't lie. He didn't do anything wrong. But he was still murdered. He was still willing to go without opening his mouth, without trying to defend himself. Because, again, ultimately he knew that there was no disgrace, no shame, that there was no guilt that could be placed on him, even though he was carrying that for all of us. All the things that we had done, he carried. It is, it's such an incredible picture. I, I don't can't even bring to words how absolutely incredible that is for us to be able to think about and say, this is what was done on our behalf. It's, it's absolutely crazy that it, it, it really was a, a God that said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make covenant with myself on your behalf and, and bring you back into the family. Verse 10 says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. transgressors. I have a problem with that word today. So the servant came, poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin for, for many. 
And when we look at that uh, uh, scripture from earlier, from Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We can see here that he was numbered with the transgressors and bore the sin of many. But now he makes intercession for the transgressors. It, it, again, this is this is an incredible picture of, of the, the, the servant of God coming, fulfilling what God intended for Israel to do, but couldn't. And now is making intercession on our behalf as well. Came, bore the, the, the transgressions of the many, took them to the cross, nailed them there, buried, and then resurrected. Out of the ground came something new. This is, this is an incredible picture of the servant of God, of Jesus, and what he did on our behalf. It's absolutely incredible. And, and never once losing sight of, of who it was, who, who, who he was. He was the son of God, a son. And because of his service, we now get to step in and serve in the missions that God has given us as sons. I want to go to a couple more scriptures here. Uh, I want to go to Hosea 11 next. I want to look at that real quick. So Hosea 11, 1 says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. This is an, an interesting scripture because this is quoted in in Matthew in Matthew 2:15 uh, it, it's it's the the story of of Jesus and Joseph and Mary fleeing from Bethlehem and going to Egypt and then uh, the angel of the Lord coming to Joseph in a dream and saying okay it's time to go back and uh, Matthew quotes this in chapter two, verse 15 says, and uh, they departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. So this is interesting. Hosea 11, one says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. If you go on to verse two, it says, the more they were called, the more they went away. And they kept sacrificing to the bales and burning offerings to idols. So when you when you read verse one and then and then go into verse two, you see that it's likely Hosea was not looking forward, but looking backwards, because if you get into uh, Exodus four. God tells Moses in in Exodus four, twenty two, then you shall say to the Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. So Hosea here, likely looking backwards, was, was also being 
used by God to to foreshadow what was to come and and what was what was going to happen with his servant that he was sending to fulfill what he intended from the beginning to come in as a son and do what what needed to be done to to give light to the nations to see salvation go out to the ends of the earth this is what uh, um, God was telling Moses to proclaim that Israel is his firstborn son and to let his son go. So when Israel was a child, I loved him and out of Egypt, I called my son. And I, I think this is, this is an incredible picture here to be able to say, wow, this is, this is what God was doing. This is what he was, was showing him. But at the same time, the, the, if we really start to pull back and look at the bigger picture uh, now, we can see that this is also pointing towards Jesus. And, and there, was, there was intentionality there when Matthew quoted this. Because we're seeing this. We're, we're seeing the servant of the Lord come up out of Egypt and and proclaim to to God's people that the kingdom is now here. And there was there was a, a mission there to to get to where he needed to go. All of the miracles we see where Jesus is telling people to that where he's healing them but he's saying don't tell anybody. He he needed to get to the cross. And in multiple times uh the Pharisees try to stone the servant of the Lord. And he had to, to escape those times through whatever means that was. Um, but coming as the, the servant of the Lord and the son of God, he knew what the mission was. And he, he knew ultimately what was going to take place that this, this beating that was so severe that we read about in, in Isaiah 50, it would mar him to the point of, of being unrecognizable as a person. I can't imagine the, the savage beating that he would have had to have taken to make this happen. It really is. And, and and to be able to continue to have breath, to be able to continue to move, to be able to, to push through that pain and make it to the cross to fulfill what it was that he was sent to do. We have that opportunity now to, to serve in the mission that God has given us, whatever that mission is, and to do so with the authority and power of sons. This act of servitude that Jesus did for us on our behalf has allowed us to, to be brought into the family. We are now brothers of of the, the begotten son of God. And he calls us that. He calls us brothers. 
and we can show up and serve wherever we are with the, the authority and the power of sons. But we have to, we have to remember though, we can't forget what God has done for us. We can't forget who he has shown up as for us. We can't forget what he continues to do for us each day. This is why that, that early morning conversation about God, what is it you want to do today? What is it you want to, to reveal or say? That's why these things are important. It keeps us focused. And in him showing up for us like that each and every day, we have fresh reminders. It's fresh manna to be able to say, I see where you're, I see where you're at over here. I see your hand in this. I see what you're doing there. This this is the, the importance of remembering. You have to remember what it is that he's done. And that will allow us to not fall into a mindset of victimhood that just drags us down into all manner of things that, that are not an attribute of, of being a son. There's no boldness there. There's no courage. There's only woe is to me. I can't do anything. I'm so oppressed. I have no power. I have no authority. And that's not true. As sons of God, you, you have power and authority of the kingdom, of his kingdom. That eternal kingdom has been placed in your hands. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to show up as a son? Are you going to serve? Are you going to fulfill the mission that he's given you? This isn't to say that God needs you. He can he can carry out his plans all by himself. He doesn't need us, but he wants to partner with us. He wants his family to partner with him. And so in that partnership, we need to, to step in as sons. We need to stand up in the authority that he's given us, exercise the power of the kingdom that's at our fingertips, and serve people. Get with, with Holy Spirit today. Don't wait. Start to, to hone in on what it looks like for you to show up in that power and authority of sonship. Start to, to look for specific acts that he wants you to partner with him in service. And go after those things. This is, this is not a kingdom of passivity. This is a kingdom of action. And we need to start thinking of it in that manner. We cannot continue to just sit back and allow others to do the work. You hear talk about fivefold ministry, and those are, is not some hierarchy in the kingdom. Those people are in service to you, as as those uh, who need to be equipped for for the service, that's that's what they're there for, and and, and so this is not 
a, a kingdom where we sit back and we watch others do the work. This is not a, a consumerism mentality. This is this is a ownership of the kingdom. You are owners as sons. Your inheritance is the kingdom, which means you own it. You don't have to wait until some some death somewhere to spend your inheritance. Go out and spend it today. I want to let's pray for a minute. Father, right now, I want to to release to the to the people watching and an anointing to to go out and take action. You are sons of the most high God. You have the kingdom in your hand. The power of that kingdom is at your fingertips. I bless you in the name of Jesus to be able to to go out and to use that. Father, I ask that you would just continue to, to fill us with courage and with a with a boldness to to declare truth. To declare the objective truth that you have laid out. To declare that you are truth. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing through us here. And I thank you for the mission that you have, have given to each of us and, and the oneness and community that you have brought us together into. I thank you that we can, can come together and sharpen one another even in the the discomfort of of that process uh, because it it can be uncomfortable to to sharpen one another but again there is is strength and boldness that you've given us to to do that very thing in Jesus name amen go out and take action this week. Your sons of the kingdom, you are co-seated with Christ. Take action this week. Love you all.